Welcome to Toothpaste, the podcast, the other side of dentistry. There are two sides to our great profession. On one side, we have financial independence and personal fulfillment. On the other side, we have financial hardship, depression, and burnout. Why do some dentists thrive in this profession and others struggle to get out of bed in the morning? That is exactly what we are trying to find out. We don't claim to have all the answers, but we talk to some really smart people that can give you some insights on how to thrive in dentistry and life. Thank you for listening. And now for our hosts, Dr. Jessica Gall and Dr. Vincent Buscemi. Sure, the most successful people in life reinvent their careers many times. It's not like you're 22, you figure it out, and then you're successful forever. The fact that you're, re- how old are you now? I'm 41. The fact that you're reinventing at 41, come a little closer, is uh, really impressive. It's, it's admirable because it's very hard to be 41, have three kids, be very successful, and then think to yourself, there's a better way to do this. But before we get into this, this is Toothpaste the Podcast, episode 35 with uh, my good friend Chad Spears. And Chad's my kind of guy. Um, Chad's all about independence, about excellence, and striving for the best. So Chad, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm uh, Chad Spears. And I'm an endodontist. I recently have started my own practice in Birmingham, Michigan. I work with my wife, Maureen Kuda. She's an orthodontist. We share an office together. How's it working with your wife? It's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. I think it's kind of crazy how people will choose to spend their life. Now I have the opportunity to choose to spend my life with my no, the love of my life. Yeah. Why, why would I not do that? That's so nice. Do you yeah, share I the same choice. space, the same treatment area, or is it the same building with separate offices? No, it's pretty much the same space. There's same pri- space. Okay. There's private operatories in that no, we, we both have access to. Okay. And they're primarily, I primarily use the private operatories. I don't use the open bays. It's right. more of an orthodontic setup. Way more invasive to do endo. Do you guys drive into work together? Some days. Okay. Our schedules don't always link up. Some days... She needs to leave earlier. She has certain things. So some days we do drive in, but no, I would say not always, no. Okay. And then who watches your kids? Do you guys have a babysitter? We have a nanny. Okay. Live in nanny? Uh, no. Okay. She's there three days a week. Okay. Three and a half, four days a week. Depends. We have a live in nanny. She's an au pair. She's from South Africa. It's good, but then you have like another kid in your house because she's 20. So it's like now I have four well, kids. Well, you have to five. take care of her. Too, yeah. And, well, I mean. Keep so her alive for right. a year. <laughs> so Chad, tell us about your endodontic practice. It's called Ether Endodontics. Correct. And Chad has, if I can say this correctly, moved away from mainstream endodontics in an attempt to improve treatment outcomes. Yeah, so my approach and what I'm doing is I, I felt like I could offer more and provide more in, in the way of endodontics by introducing some techniques and some technologies and procedurals that will improve the outcomes and they're safer for the patients. So some of the things that I use, I use laser activated irrigation with the photon light walker laser. That machine what is that? Tell us about that. I've never heard of that. So the irrigation we use to clean out the root canal systems, they, the traditional approach is to use needle-based irrigation or a passive ultrasonic irrigation. But typically it's just needle-based irrigation where the, the solution is more or less kind of pushed or dripped into the root canal system to disinfect it. The laser-assisted irrigation, what the Photoni uses, a, it's a technique called, or a system called sweeps, what uses effectively shock waves to clean 
and creates a pressurized system within the root canal system to clean it out. Okay. Uh, so that's what, I, what I've been using. Is there any risk of this pressurized system like propagating a crack if that's in the root? Not necessarily a crack. Yes, yes, possibly. But you, you always do your due diligence. It's the same thing, though, with, with uh, you know, the traditional uh, needle-based irrigation studies show that's actually you have a higher incidence of apical extrusion with the needle-based irrigation than you would with the laser-guided irrigation. Okay. So, so you're talking it's, it's about you're talking about sodium hypochlorite leaving the Correct. canal. Yeah. Correct. Have you had that happen to you before? I've had no. that happen. Okay. No. It's a mess. I stopped doing root canals two years ago. Um, so how are you explaining this to patients, your superior techniques for root canals? So an easy way to, uh, to explain it, I just kind of you know, compare, kind of spraying down the sidewalk with the hose versus using a pressure washer. You know, one's going to have much, much more effective, you know, outcome than just basically dripping water over the sidewalk. Okay. As opposed to, you know, using a pressurized system. And it's pretty well received with patients. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the outcomes have been, been phenomenal. Okay. Post-operative pain levels are significantly lower. In addition to the laser, I also use ozone. Okay. You know, there's the ozone, ozone water, ozone gas that has a lot of therapeutics with it. As no, in addition to being uh, antimicrobial in the root canal system, uh, it does also have anti-inflammatory properties. Um, and, you know, it, the patients have, you know, there have been, you know, studies coming out showing it does result in significantly less post-operative pain. And you're finding that in your patients. Absolutely. That's amazing. Are you, is this something you started when you started your own practice or were, you, were you using, okay, so you weren't using these techniques when you were at your, in your group practice. Correct. Okay. So were you, were you learning and studying about this before for a while and you became interested? Yeah. Or? So, okay. so it's in, so advanced irrigation I've been interested in a while for, for quite a while. Uh, Implementing that is, is a little bit more of the challenge. Uh, the investment is is very high mm-hmm. uh, and does require additional training. So I have gone back. I've done you know, quite a bit of additional advanced training in order to implement some of these these techniques and technologies that I'm using. Um, so yeah, it was something that I, w- I was able to do once I was able to guide and direct the practice the way I wanted to. Ultimately, okay. So tell me what you're. Th- so for me, two years ago, I stopped practicing traditional dentistry and transferred over to biomimetic dentistry because I was very dissatisfied with my treatment outcomes. And every like fifth crown was going to endo. Where in your career did you decide there's got to be a better way to do root canals? And Chad, just get a little bit closer yeah. to the mic. Okay, better there. Okay. Yeah, perfect. All right. Well, I don't know. I can't say if there's like an inflection point. I think it was just overall, I'm a type of person who likes to optimize and constantly improve upon the existing state. I think it's really easy to fall into a state of just bacon cookies all day long or sleepwalking through your profession once you kind of catch your stride. But I'm never satisfied with that. So I was, I'm always a person of learning and knowledge and optimizing and improving upon. So I can't tell you when that occurred. But I, I can tell you that the, the, the literature is all pointing in ways of improving endodontics is number one, the holy grail is disinfection, irrigation of the canal system. The shaping of the canals ultimately is less important than can you get the the root clean? Can you get this tooth clean? And so to me, that's where my energy went is how can I get this tooth 
as clean as I possibly can? And how can I have the patient respond optimally? And that's where more of a functional integrative side comes in as well, is I think you can do the procedure, but if the person is not in a, in a physical state or in a healthy state to receive the procedure well, they may not heal properly. By healthy state, lower. you mean overall health? Overall health. I okay. Think, I think it's, you know, providing just a spot treatment is in many ways can be a little bit of a disservice. I think patients deserve more than doing just that. I think providing them information, providing them education, and helping them improve their overall systemic health. It's a, it's a win-win. You know, your procedures will be more will be more successful. The patients will respond better to those. Typically, have less post-operative pain and discomfort. In addition to that, the overall health can be improved. It's almost like needing a root canal or any dental disease is just a side effect Correct. of poor systemic it's down, health. It's, it's downstream. It's it's a downstream effect of typically many things upstream that have led to that. Yeah. So ultimately, if I can help a patient never have a root canal ever again. That's a win for me. It sucks because you do root canals to feed your family. For a living. Yeah. You're totally right. <laughs> Correct. If you can fix your systemic health. Correct. But, you know, in the end of the day, there's more than enough to go around. Yeah, that's so true. There's more than enough to go around. And if I can leave, the, if I can leave my patients better off in the end, then that's my ultimate goal. It's, yeah. not, it's not to do the root canals, not to collect a fee, to help a person live a healthier, better life. Yeah. So it's a holistic approach. And I love yeah, that. Right. Yeah. So, so how do you, do you give them, um, you know, nutritional counseling, things like that? Okay. Yes, absolutely. There's, there are a few, there's, there's some rec fairly recent research showing there's just a handful of, of inputs you can provide many patients because many people are, are suboptimal in just a few micronutrients mm -hmm. that can have pretty profound improvements on their overall systemic health and particularly with with apical periodontitis or teeth that are requiring root canal therapy. What are these micronutrients that people are lacking that can help improve their? So oftentimes it's it's it's, it's very basic. It's it's a it's a D three K two combination. Okay, yeah. helps with the the absorption of calcium. It's redirection to the hard tissues and the re, and the mineralization. Uh, it's a good omega three. So okay, typically you know a good fish oil. So an EPA DHA significantly help with the, the inflammatory response and the immune modulation, as well as a good spore-based probiotic. Um, okay. Those have, have been shown to have great effects uh, on immune modulation and help keep your immune system more of a homeostatic state. So when you do have aberrations or fluctuations to your immune system, such as if you have an, an abscess or an infection in the jaw, it, it's a less of a it's a less of a hyperbolic response. Okay, mm -hmm. almost like if you're overall healthier, the pain and infection from a root canal is less than if you have less reserves and you're less healthy. Yes, absolutely. I just recently heard that spore-based probiotics are the only ones that survive the gut acid. I don't want to say the only ones, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a, a huge improvement upon most probiotics. If the probiotic is not spore-based, it's not likely going to be having much of a, an impact. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking at you now, you, you look very healthy, very in shape. Is there a certain diet that you follow? <laughs> um, not, nothing. Get out of here. I don't, I don't buy into diet. Okay. Diet. Like, I, don't, I don't subscribe to any kind of diet tribe or, or, or group or faction. I, I have been into health and wellness for, for many years. For me, I think I really tried to optimize when I started getting to more like ultra, ultra distance events. 
you run ultra distance. Yeah. And in order to, to be successful in those, you have to really try to improve, find areas where you can really optimally improve your overall health. And yeah. So at that point, I really started dialing into overall health. How can I really make it healthy? So I would say, what do I do? Um, I'd say more of a, a low or a slow carb based diet. Okay. Um, lots of vegetables, a lot of vegetables. We have a little farm out in Clarkston, a little hobby farm, we grow a lot of our own food out there. Um, but yeah, I don't really follow, follow any particular. Yeah. You know, so Jessica's uh, also a long distance runner. Yeah. And but, I'm the same. I don't, I don't die. I don't believe in dieting, but I eat a healthy diet. I like real food. I don't like yeah. diet food. Um, we see ultra like more than a marathon you're running like 50 miles um like 100 miles you ran a hundred mile race i haven't driven 100 miles like there's a um it, it's interesting because the last race i did i'm training for a marathon the marathon this fall i'm not sure i'm gonna do it or not but lots of half marathons for us and um this one woman told me she only does ultras and she said once you start doing ultras she said it just becomes like she's got, you know, just a way she trains and she said her body will kind of like get back in shape quickly. Do you feel that? Yeah, I just try to maintain, overall I try to maintain just like a general state of Like fitness. you can always just, go out and run 10 miles, yeah. Yeah. That's like how I am. Just like a general state of fitness. I can, mm -hmm. I, I like to be able to just basically be active. I want to yeah. be, be active and healthy primarily so I can be around a long time with my kids. I can play mm -hmm. rough and I can play long with my kids. To me, that's, that's really the know my barometer it's right. not really can i get off the couch go run 100 miles tomorrow it's how do i feel when i'm with my kids right do i have the energy to sustain i want to be able to be in that physical state for a very very long time being active with your kids i mean that's how i spend time with my kids we're we're active you know we this weekend we're going to go to belle isle and bike around and you know it's that's super like important something to do yeah yeah how long does it take to run 100 miles uh it depends on the race because okay. they're, they're most they're pretty much all in the mountains so some of them will take up to close to 30 hours. Uh, I think my fastest is 23 hours and change. And that oh my was not as, much, not as much vertical change and it wasn't really high. Uh, Are you changing shoes you on that do, run? It depends. It, it depends uh -huh. on the race. It, it usually, if I go through water and I'm going into the nighttime, sometimes I'll change just because my feet will get kind of goopy. And yeah. They can, they can get, it can get really cold at some of these places at nighttime. So I'll swap out my shoes, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's just too hard to get the shoes off, a shoe pair of shoes off, and the other one on. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, actually, you're stopping obviously to. I mean, you're stopping to eat or no? You're, yeah. So a typical race will have a series of aid stations throughout. Okay. Uh, every usually between every every eight to twelve miles, there'll be an aid station where you restock on water and food. Uh, you also have a, you can have a crew which can provide, can give you particular foods. Like a pit crew? Kind of, yeah. They kind of follow you around. Last year, I did a I did a race series called the Lead Man, which is a series of ultra distance events in Leadville, Colorado. And I had my wife out there and, and, uh, and my boys. And so my wife at the time was on the verge of having a baby and probably shouldn't have been out there, but she was my crew. Okay. And so she going to each station, meeting you there, and not everyone. She, you can't get to everyone. Some of them were kind of like up in the middle of the mountains. In the okay. Uh, but the ones she could get to, yeah, I would see her, and it's just like, it's a good moral support. Like my little boys would have a sign up saying "Go you know, Dad," yeah, "Go Daddy," and I, they would run with me for you know fifty yards or whatnot. And 
what goes through your mind running those hundred miles? That because that's like I'm you're the only person I've ever met that's ran a hundred miles. A lot of times it's a lot of times you just get like it's like meditative. Do you feel? Yeah, yeah sometimes it's meditative. It's kind of hard to know. A lot of times you get like earworms. You get like songs in your mind that are they're on repeat. Do you listen to headphones or? Sometimes I do, but sometimes you get overstimulated. Okay. So a lot of times in a race of that distance, and a lot of times they're at high altitude. So like the Leadville race, it's all above 10,000 feet. So you can get kind of nauseous at altitude. And I overstimulated, so I usually don't. And okay. Usually we'll just find like a, like a trail buddy, mm-hmm. and we'll just kind of share our, our experience on the trail together and talk. Oh, you do talk during the race? Yeah. Okay. Wow. What has driven you to run these 100-mile races? Um, I think – Part of it is just to discover your limits. Okay. See how far you can go. I mean, it's, it hurts. It's really painful. Towards the end of a race, yeah. everything hurts. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine. And you don't have much energy. I mean, I'm thinking just, of, the, just mar- I'm thinking it, of the marathon. It's, it, like... it's just, it's, yeah, everything is just, everything it just aches. Yeah. And, and to see where your limits are, like what's going to, like, are you going to crack? Can you push through this? Can you just control your mind? I think that's really, there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that. It's very philosophical. We're very similar in terms of like, what's next? What's better? How do I improve? How can I get to myself to the next level? Do you think your reasoning for switching to better endodontics and running 100 miles is the same I think thought it probably, process? It probably follows in the same philosophy. Okay. Is that you know, I, I'm always looking for ways to to be better. Okay. Where Where's the limit? Where's the limit to this profession? How can it be improved? Even if it's a small incremental improvement, you add multiple layers of those together, it makes a big change. You know, it's it's like the 1% rule. You add 1% change every single day, and the needle bends a lot over the course of weeks and months and years. Yeah. So you start layering on improvements. I think it's that culmination or that accumulation of multiple layers that really has big effects on the back end. Let's talk about something we touched on before the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. How do you create, you know, value, I guess, or how do you inform your referring dentist that, that you're doing something different or create, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, value. Yeah. Yeah. Value. So, so they don't, they're not in your office. They don't know what you're doing. They know that their patient needs a root canal and they're going to see you and then they're going to come back and, and they'll restore the tooth. So, so how are you, you know, are you, are you telling them what you do? Do you provide a, a pamphlet? Like what, how do you do it? Yeah. So I, I try to educate them. I try to explain to them, you know, how this root canal will be different than one they've had in the past. Cause it, okay. it sometimes to it the can, patient or to, to the to, referring doctor, to, to the patient. Okay. Some of the, most of the referring doctors, at least many of them I have, you know, I've worked with up to now, uh, they, they don't really have time to, 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 you know, to sit down and, and listen to you know, what's the type of treatment I'm providing and why. No, okay. I've, I've dropped and I've dropped off referrals and, and pamphlets to kind of, you know, help explain. Uh, but mostly I try to explain to the patients that this will be a little bit different. And here's what you should expect, just so they're not surprised or shocked. You know, when you start using a laser, it can be a little bit loud. They can feel well, like, a, like a popping sensation in their tooth, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Just, so just to try to prepare them. And then oftentimes they will kind of report and relay that information back to their general dentist. And and uh, I think a lot of it is just through that. And also just to provide just excellent you know, care for the mm-hmm. patients. Let them know that I really genuinely care about, about them as a person and about the treatment I'm providing them. I really am I'm thoughtful about what I'm doing. 
and trying to really you know, help help them with their you know, what their infected tooth or their pain or whatever it might be. It sounds like you're so specialized and so holistic that you almost have to go direct to consumer. Like skip over the I don't want to say narrow minded dentist, but skip over the less health minded dentist and go right to patients because there's so many patients looking for holistic care. And you're the only endodontist I know of that's doing this kind of treatment. Yeah, it's well, to be honest with you, my website is just was just just went live about a week ago. Good. It was something that I've been working on for quite a while. Can you tell us the website name? Uh, just etherendo.com. So okay. A, ether with, with an A, kind of the, the traditional way of, way of spelling ether. So A-E-T-H-E-R-E-N-D-O.com. Where'd you get the name ether? Ether, uh, you know, I don't really know. I was running one day. It just kind of came to me like, yeah. like ether. So ether it comes from the old, kind of the ancient alchemy of air, earth, wind, fire, and ether, and ether being kind of the essence of life. And so I just, something just, something that's kind of just out there a little bit more, I guess, different than say your typical, like, you know, I won't mention any names. Yeah, I know you're going to say, yeah, everyone's like, um, it's, a, it's a P and an endodontics. Do you agree? They're all like kind of the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want something different, something that kind of maybe, maybe would resonate with, uh, with a person or a crowd who's, Kind of more into the you know the yeah alternative alternative yeah I love it approaches yeah. do you have that somewhere in your office I like what you said you know um, earth air wind fire and then ether do you have that somewhere like as a mantra no no it typically oh. will come up though because a lot of people will ask me ether what is this where do you yeah. where does this come from no no I think it it, just, it it starts as kind of a if anything it's kind of a talking point okay. kind of opens the door I'm for picturing conversation like those things people. they stick on the wall you know like in your office that'd be cool um because I didn't I didn't really know what it was but then when you say you know earth wind fire it's like oh yeah okay well, wasn't ether used for surgery back in like the 1800s to like put it over your face and knock you out and it looks like a gas yeah it take your gas. appendix out yeah so that's it, like that's ETH. A, that's yeah, a, that's yeah. A, it's, a, it's a different gas it's like the, the ether gas and this is just kind of that 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 nebulous, they, it was basically the, the air that the gods used to breathe is what they said. Yeah, I love it. There's so much potential for your business. I know that yeah. you said you just start out, you're, you're steady, but you're not as busy as you want to be. But I promise, there's, especially this area too, there's so many people. If I need a root canal, I'm actually coming to you because I want the most holistic treatment I possible. That. I appreciate that. I think um, though, you know, let's talk about what you said about marketing straight to the patient. I, I think that'd be very difficult to do. Here's why. I think the average person who's not a dentist like us, they don't even know what an endodontist is. Um, so, so marketing to them, they don't know, and, they, and they're probably never going to know because they they don't have to. It's like, you know, it's like a business I'm not in. You know, okay, you know, like engineering or automotive. I just don't know that business. So, I think it's important to go to the source of your referral, which is the general dentist. And, and get it so they see the value in what you're doing and they understand what you're doing and why. And then they spread it out into their their communities or their offices. Wouldn't you agree? I guess, yeah, because I have a lot of holistic-minded patients and if they need root canals, they're going to you because yeah. they want that type of service. Yeah. But you could almost like have a you know a pamphlet or you know, it's just a little piece of paper or a little something you send to their phone. It's like, here's what I'm sending you here. Here's what what they do differently, you know, that kind of thing. It's like everything is marketing, yeah. right? Have you, you reached know? out to any holistic dentists? I know there's one in Ortonville, 
Dr. Reggiani? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sure he would send you a lot of patients. Yeah. And there's, and you know, and ultimately, I'm not trying to like pigeon, pigeonhole or corner myself into say like the holistic domain. I think okay. it's, just, it's something that I have developed, you know, some, you know, some advanced training in and some, some procedures in. But I, I, I want, I want to be able to provide my care to to anybody and everybody. Okay, it, it's, I, I think it's, it's not fair for, for the all the patients, you know, or for anybody. I think, I think, it, I want to be open to everybody. Okay. Yeah. 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 Maybe a dumb question, but are the files you use the same as the files that a regular endo uses? Yeah. Okay. For, for the most part, I, I because I do use uh, a laser for irrigation, I can be conservative and more significantly more conservative in my in my approach okay depending on the tooth if the tooth allows it uh i don't have to open the canals as much as i typically would because the laser i use the the activated irrigant through the laser to do the cleaning and i don't have to open the space in the tooth significantly to in order to get the needle down to do the rinsing okay that makes sense yeah yeah it's like what size so I, I can easily finish on a 20, maybe 25. Wow. You know, depending. Sometimes I'll open up to a 30, but you know, it's between a 20 and a 20 and a 30 is just yeah. Bad, but, yeah. Do you guys remember in dental school, like all those files? The hand have, like, files? Like 10 sticking out. Yeah, you know, of your, like, and your ring finger. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. So um, how many staff members do you have? So right now I have, well, it's, it's interesting because with my wife's practice, a lot of times we kind of cross-pollinate. Okay. So with, with our staff. So I have two staff members. And oftentimes if I need to, I'll pull one of my wife's staff, so staff members over to help. Or if I have downtime, she'll pull one of my staff members over to her side to help. So to assist or to both. Yes. Okay. Yes. To assist. Do you share a front desk and scheduling? No, I, so I have department? a dedicated, so I have a dedicated clinical coordinator to okay. kind of manage that. It's okay. It, it'd be, I mean, she's busy enough on her own that I, I couldn't really pull anyone away from her. Are they separate LLCs or, yes. or PCs? Okay. Yeah. To, so two separate businesses. Yeah. yeah. So she she was up and running in that space, and then I joined her afterwards. Okay. So okay. It, was, it was the building was designed and created primarily for orthodontics. Okay. And you know, fortunately, we had uh, the foresight to put in some private operatories in the event one I were to join. But also, she has patients that do need some some privacy and in private care at times right. as well. Okay. So you built the building ground up. Yeah, it was a parking lot. Who'd you use to build it? Uh, John Kelly. Okay. He's awesome. Okay. Yeah. He designs dental offices too? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Okay. No, we use his team to build it, but we use John to, Kelly. Okay. Who did the um, architecture? Uh, that's my wife. Okay. I don't know. She, she was far more involved in the build-up than I was. I'm okay. Not, I'm not taking any credit for it. It's just her, it's her masterpiece. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> are you going to add additional specialists and do a specialty center? No, we don't have space for it. Okay. Yeah. How big is the building? I don't even know. You don't even know? Yeah. I just, I don't. <laughs> 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 How many treatment rooms are there? There's two private. There's, so there's two private operatories. Okay. And then there's another, I don't know, what, 10 open bays maybe? Okay. 3,500 square feet. That's my guess. Is it like, <laughs> have you seen my, is it like the size of my office or is it? Mine's like 3,200. Yeah. It's probably similar to yours. Okay. It's probably comparable. And I use like 500 feet of it. Yeah, um, like- <laughs> those are really good assistants if they can jump from endo to ortho back and forth. Yeah. So so my endodontic assistant, she's now she's being trained in ortho right now. Okay. So she, she didn't come to the table with, with the orthodontic set of skills, but that's something that she is she's picking up and she's doing great. But they're going to be highly desired if they ever leave you guys. Not that they would. Oh, yeah. But if you can put on brackets and 
do a root canal with an endodontist. Yeah. Then. How, how do you guys feel about a specialty center? So a building with an oral surgeon, endodontist, ortho, like everybody, perio, pedo, all in one place. There, no, definitely there are advantages to that. I think you can exabite, you can streamline a lot of processes. And, yeah. And, uh, but you know, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't put much thought into that. Okay. I just think, you know, when, when the two, you, you get in there, it's cracked, it has to come out. And then, you know, you have your oral surgeon to remove it, place an implant, you know, or, or perio or whatever. I just always thought that was a good idea. Um, everyone in one place. It's not, it, you're kind of doing that. I mean, you with multiple specialties, but I wonder. But that wasn't your goal to start, was it? To have a specialty center? No, 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 no. no. It's it's it set up. It was originally set up just for you know, just for orthodontics. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't okay. even originally designed for me to even be part of the operation. We just have found a way where we can kind of where I can kind of you know, dovetail my way in. And then we can kind of like leverage. Now, there'll be times where I'll go over and she'll take a scan of a patient. She needs me to look over the scan to see if there's any lesions or okay. there's something that it looks a little bit screwy and wants me to look through the scan. So we'll just kind of you know over the course of a day, oftentimes we will we'll work with each other and How nice is that? Lever leverage our knowledge. Yeah, I, I like it. You I know, think, um, are you planning to stay there or will you... If, when your practice grows, will you move or uh, that's, unsure? That's, that's to be answered. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Because ultimately, I don't. I, my goal is not to have a large, you know, bustling, busy practice. I want to. I want to have. A, I want to maintain more of a boutique practice where I can provide really personalized, individualized care for my patients, mm -hmm. and not be at a point where I'm wrung out into the day. I want to come home with good energy and be able to spend that time with with my family, with my kids. And you know, right now, to be honest with you, my my focus is on my family and my little boys. Yeah. I have three little boys, and they are everything to me. Has that changed? So I have four girls at home, and as they blink and they like double in size, yeah, as my kids happening. are getting older, yeah, I'm thinking happening. like I want to work less yeah. and spend more time with them now because when they're 18, they'll be at Harvard or somewhere else. Well, when they're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, these are these are the magic years. Yeah, how, how old these, are these your are kids? Five, three, and one. Like same age as my kids. Okay, so you guys, I, I'm going to tell you something. When they turn 13, they don't really care about you that much anymore. So we have to spend more time with them now because when they're 13, <laughs> yeah, they're because out. I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old, and they're, my 12-year-old is still my little buddy, my son, but my daughter, we we do a lot together, but it's she. they're all about the friends, and it's mm -hmm. that's healthy, rightly so, it, it you is, know, because absolutely. I'm raising people who, who want to leave you know, and go off on their own. That's, that's what's going to happen in four years. But, but it's really, everyone says it. And I was like, Oh, not my kids. My, you know, we, we do this, we do that. And it's like, I'm telling you, they turn 13 and they're just, we drive me, you know, and they, they really don't want to see you that much. It's yeah. Sad. <laughs> so it's we're, really in the, sad. we're in the same boat. Um, yeah. Chad's actually lived my dream. Chad left downtown Birmingham and moved and bought a hobby farm in Clarkston. Why? We just wanted more space. It okay. Was, it was, was my wife and I have been talking for years about having our own like farm space, something that we could be a little more involved in, in just self reliance. Do and you have animals? Just, we have. Well, we have chicken. A chicken now. Coyote. Okay. coyote. Oh yeah. We're having issues with coyotes. Maybe this 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 last summer. Okay. Um, they kind of decimated our our, uh, our flock of chickens. Yeah. So we're kind of rebuilding that. Uh, we have, and it's fully equipped. It's set for animals, 
and we will be introducing animals. We have we're trying like goats. Uh, we're looking at uh, you know, alpacas, maybe donkeys. Okay. Uh, you could do that. Not in my house. No, I mean you <laughs> could move and do that. You said he's living your dream, but you yeah, could, I could. You but could do that. We won't. Are you going to eat any <laughs> of these animals? Or no, no, no. no more for like a rescue. Like okay. More like a rescue, a place for some rescue animals. Like a rehab. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You know, and our focus, we don't. We'll be. Our focus is right now is primarily on just kind of building out and becoming more skilled in the, you no, know, the farming, the agriculture side. Yeah. When I was talking to your wife, I think maybe a month ago, she was saying it's really important for you guys to raise your kids in the dirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I love that sentiment. Because yeah. kids are so sterilized now that they all yeah. have like allergies and yeah, yeah. I still have like this. This like one of my first visions. We we moved out there. It was we've been out there. I know maybe it's a handful of days, and the kids are out in the backyard. My you know my my two older boys and um, I'm looking I'm looking out looking out there, and I can't see them anywhere. And I look down the ground. There's there's a shoe. There's another shoe. <laughs> there's a diaper <laughs> on the ground. Uh-uh. <laughs> there's some clothes. Look down. They're they're bare naked, just running down through the woods. That's awesome. <laughs> but that's like our natural state to that's be like free. barefoot. That's free. Yeah. Maybe not bare butt, but barefoot running outside. Yeah. And your kids are going to be healthier for that. Yeah, and a lot of I just want to teach them, you know, give them chores, teach them responsibility, and it gives them a lot of confidence. I think yeah. when you when you give, especially your children, uh, ways where they can they. they I'm trying to phrase this. You, you give them responsibility, certain responsibilities and jobs. It empowers them. And that empowerment builds their confidence. It makes them feel useful. Absolutely. Yeah. Like like all people, though. It's like when you... I have... My kids mow my lawn. You know, they do other things, too. But they're in charge of mowing the lawn. And I used to have a lawn service. And I canceled it. And I was like, I have two kids. Like, they can mow the lawn. And it's it's really good for them. But everyone else... No one else in the neighborhood mows the lawn. But, it, you know, and I, my daughter, she's like, look how good the lawn looks. You know, she gets into it and, and it's great. I mean, I can see it. And she has that skill now. It's like, there's so many people who grow up and they don't know how to start a lawnmower or put gas in a, you know, a leaf blower, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. So it's a, a lot of what we wanted to teach our kids, you know, that you need to develop skills, skills. And, and in mm-hmm. doing that, they gain, they gain a lot more from it. I mean, I don't. To me, it's, it's not that important for them to do a job or a chore or something. It's what it is. It's, it's the empowering of them with uh, a form of responsibility mm-hmm. that when they follow through on that, it gives them a sense of pride, a sense of accomplishment. And yeah. they learn, they learn in the doing and they learn how to troubleshoot and they learn how to solve problems and they, and they know that they have accountability. And I think these are the, these are skills that they're hard to learn and the physical component of it, I think and teaches them, you know, it's adds an additional layer to it. Because it's not always fun to be out in the sun or to be out in the yeah. dirt when, you know, when you could easily be inside with a book mm-hmm. or, or, or a TV or, or something. Or a TV yeah. Or just doing an inside level of, it, of, a, of a job. Although yeah. my son and I cleaned the gutters on my house a couple of weeks ago. We had a blast. We were up on the roof. <laughs> like, <laughs> we had so much fun. You know, we had the gloves on. We're like cleaning. <laughs> it, it, and we're dropping the bags down. I mean, it was it was fun. It was a job, but, you know, they're all clean now. Yeah, and so. I think that's lost in kids now. I think because YouTube, everyone thinks they know a lot because they watch a couple of videos on yeah. it. But actually learning hard skills and being effective in real life is much more difficult but gives you the confidence you need 
to be an endodontist one day or to be a business owner one day. Yeah. Well, I think people, I think we do. I mean, I think we're on the similar, we're all on a similar page with kids, but people overdo for their kids. Like, you know, I do little things like this. Um, my daughter is getting her hair cut today and she, she wanted her hair cut and highlights and it was a couple months ago and she said, you know, I want to do this. I said, okay, great. Make an appointment, you know? And she's looking at me like, and I told her, I said, I'm not your concierge, you know, I'll pay for it. I'll get you there, but you need to make your appointment. You have to call the place, talk to a human, look at your calendar, look at my calendar. This is how life works. So anything, you know, yeah, that's make good. Your own, set up your own appointments. Um, I told one of my friends that, and she's like, that's such a good idea. I said, yeah, it's, that's life, you know, unless you have a concierge, <laughs> which I don't, you need to do that. It's a life skill. Right? I totally agree. Yeah. Chad, it's 1045. I know you have 1130 patient. Um, let us ask you one more question before yeah. you, we ask everyone this question. After listening to this, what is one takeaway you'd want the listeners to have? Kind of the message you're going to put out there for them. Yes. The vision, my vision of, of my practice and my way of, of providing endodontic therapy is, is one where it is on a personalized level, where it's, it's on a level where my patients know that, I, one, I genuinely care about them. I want the, my referring doctors to know that I do genuinely care about their patients and that I will provide them the best care I possibly can in ways that I believe are safer or the safest and most effective approaches that I can provide. And I am constantly in a state of learning and improvement and optimization in what I do. And we'll hopefully be able to transmit in that, in a way that that their patients will be better off. Ultimately, not just from the procedure I provide, but I'll provide them knowledge, information, skills, and an awareness that their overall state of being and overall health can be improved. And all I will be providing that. And yeah, that's, that's, that's That's, a great answer. It's it's a, it's a great answer. It's also humble and, and true because I think we're all, you know, some people will say, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm the best and I'm this and I'm that. It's like, well, but we're always learning and changing because the world around, you know, the world is changing Yeah, and improve, things are improving. There's new things and things you try and they don't work, things that do work. And then you have to kind of, you know, switch it up. And, and it's so, it's so true that we're always, that you are humbly in a state of learning and improving to benefit the patient. Right. I mean, that's, that's a great yeah. answer. Let me end with this. Um, we are both so impressed with you. The fact that you're not that you're starting over, but you're reinventing yourself. And the whole motif of this whole podcast has been you and about your self-improvement. And you're such a safe bet for patients because every day you're getting better. So you're going to be better next year than you're going to be today. And you're, they're always going to get the best care from you. And you care. And you care. You're yeah. inspiring. So I know you're just starting now. I promise, Chad, in five years. You're gonna be gangbusters, man. Your business is gonna yeah. grow, and and you know you said you don't want to you want to keep it boutiquey, but I always tell people it's gonna grow in spite of you, you know, because when you do when you do a great job and you offer a great service or care, it's it's gonna get big. Yeah. Um, but then you can bring more people in and educate them, and you know, however you want to maintain it. But um, you're gonna be. I think it's gonna outrageously grow. successful. Yeah, you're a good dude. Um, one more question. Yeah. Can we have you back on? 
Yeah, I'll be back. Yeah, most, most people <laughs> say yes. I mean, I'm right He's down like, oh, I can't think about it. <laughs> you know, I'm right down the road. I'm, I think just a, miles down the road. Our Henry Shine rep said no. He did. Yeah, so before we cut out, um, tell our listeners exactly where you're located and how they can reach you. So I we're located on 14-mile road between Woodward and Coolidge. It's 2101 East, 14-mile road. In Birmingham, Michigan, you can find me on the internet. My website is etherendo.com, A-E-T-H-E-R-E-N-D-O.com. Uh, yeah, and that's where you can find me. Awesome. Anything else, Jessica? All right. No, no. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks Appreciate again, the time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Another great episode of Toothpaste, the podcast, the other side of dentistry. Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more content. And if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out to us on Instagram at toothpastepodcast or email us at toothpastepodcast at gmail.com.